0: I'm Chief Christy Giuseppe from WhatCopsWatch.com, and you're listening to the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Becoming a cop, especially today, isn't easy. Learning how to become one, even more difficult. I'm Officer Tommy Model, and I've been a cop for a decade plus. Grab a warm cup of coffee, open your mind, and take in my free field training. Hey, folks. Uh, Today on Free Field Training, we are going to be talking about security and how they interact with law enforcement, how they're perceived by law enforcement. And my hope is that this topic is going to give the people who are out there in the security industry, especially new people out there in the security industry, some pointers about how they can best help a law enforcement investigation that they have initiated by calling the police and how to be taken more seriously by the police when they arrive. Because that's a big complaint that I get from a lot of people on the channel is how seriously they're taken by police and by the public. So we're going to look at the law enforcement side today. Now, what sparked this topic was a Facebook question that I got literally this morning from James Parther. James says might consider doing a general overview for security officers on how to act once they've called PD, how to assist on scene without being a nuisance or a distraction. He went on to say some other things that, and his company that he's a supervisor for, he has a six-week training program, and part of the six-week training program is for the people that work for him about what to do after they call the police, when the police come on scene, so that they can be helpful to law enforcement instead of just dropping in their laps or becoming a nuisance, which apparently has been a problem with some of the people that work in his company in the past. And then, a follow-up to that, other people have asked me questions repeatedly in the YouTube comment section, over on Instagram, and on the Facebook, about how to be taken more seriously, both by the public and by law enforcement. So we're going to talk about those two comments there today. When security calls the police, I'm driving around, I'm the cop, and when I get called By a security company via dispatch to come deal with whatever problem, the first thing I'm going to ask when I make contact with the security guard is, What's going on? Because that's the first thing that I ask on almost any call is, What's going on? Unless it's a car crash, in which case my first question is, Is anybody hurt? My first question when I show up on almost any scene is, What's going on? And for a security guard, What's going on and how they answer that question is very important, not just to the investigation that we're doing, but also to how you're going to be perceived by that police officer who is listening to you and you you have called for assistance. When we ask what's going on, what we don't want is your legal opinion of what needs to be done or an instruction of what they need you to do, especially if it's the first officer on scene or a lot of mumbo jumbo about policies that have been violated. What we want to know when we say what's going on when we're the first officer on scene is literally what's going on in plain layman's terms. It'll help you to know this is also the way we interact with each other. When I go talk to my boss at work, I've locked somebody up. He goes, what are they in here for? And I'll say criminal damage to property. And then I'll explain immediately afterward. Like, here's what you need to know. He's here for criminal damage to property because he took a pickle jar, and threw it at the windshield of his wife's car and shattered it. But the wife doesn't actually own the car. It's her dad's car, and he doesn't live with them. So it's criminal damage to property. And the boss will be like, I concur. And that's it. For security, what I suggest is the same thing that I suggest the general public when they call the police. The officer comes up and says, what's going on? Tell them exactly what it is that's going on. I'll give you an example, bad example and a good example, right? Show up on scene, pull up. Mall security is called and said that there's a fight. So I get there, and the security guard says, that guy over there in the red jacket, he just assaulted and battered that other guy over there. Who's the other guy over there? Well, he's inside. He's inside the business. But he just assaulted and battered him. Here's a better way of saying that. That guy over there in the red jacket was screaming and yelling at this 65-year-old guy walking with a cane in the store, kicked the cane out from underneath him, and then kicked him in the chest. Now, why is it important to differentiate those two things? Well, one is... I can't take your opinion on it when you're a security guard as to whether that's the appropriate charge or not. I just can't, right? Like, there's there's a whole lot to the law. We already have a video about, you know, why cops don't know the law. We know the laws we use all the time. When you go into the security industry, there's very little legal training about the specifics of law. And then if you start working interstate, security guards that work, like, where I'm at, in Indiana and Illinois, they might not know the law in Illinois at all, and they're a cop in Indiana, They might not know the the proper jargon. So we might be talking different languages. In most states, assault means you punch somebody. In Illinois, it means you threaten somebody. Simple example, right? So tell us what's going on. The other thing is how far I pursue that person and with how much vigor I pursue them, it's going to depend on what's actually going on. If you say he assaulted this guy and I go right off of that, he threatens someone, he gets in a car and runs away, he's gone. We'll take a report. He doesn't yield the lights. We're not chasing him. We're not getting a police chase because somebody threatened somebody else. Now, on the other hand, if I show up and you say he kicked the cane out from the six, underneath the 65-year-old guy, kicked him in the chest, and he's not, well, I don't know if he's breathing right now, and I go to stop him, he hops in a car and runs away and isn't yielding the lights, now I have in Illinois what would be an ag bat because of age and injury. If you say he kicked that guy and now he's not breathing, it's potentially a homicide, right? That's entirely different. So don't give the legal mumbo-jumbo of what's going on. Tell us what's going on. Hey, three months ago, we took this guy, we kicked him off property. We have trespass papers in the office if you want to see him. Now he's back. That's what's going on. Which is going to lead us to our follow-up question. If it's not about things that happen between two other people, we're going to say, well, what would you like done? Which gives you two options. One, is a trespass, which is the most common thing for security. We trespassed this guy six months ago. The papers are in the office. The trespass is good for a year. Now he's back. Well, what do you want done? Well, what can I do? Well, here's our two options, homie. We can arrest him for criminal trespass to property, in which case you're going to have to come to the station and sign the complaint. You're going to have to go into court. Or we can tell him he's got to leave. And if he leaves, he leaves, and then it's done. Do you just want him gone, or do you want him arrested? And here's the process of what we're going to have to go through if he wants him arrested. That's why it's important to just answer the question. Without the legal mumbo-jumbo, And it's the same way we talk to each other, right? If a cop from another town shows up on a scene because, you know, I happen to be the first one who shows up, let's say it's in the Forest Preserve. We get a big fight in the Forest Preserve. I stop two people. I get them handcuffed up. He says, first thing he's going to ask me when he gets out of the car is, hey, what's going on? I'll be like, when I showed up, that guy was kicking that dude in the chest. That's what's happening. And I'm going to let him talk to them and make that decision. And all law enforcement asks is that you give us the same courtesy that we give each other. People think it's like, it's a, a lack of respect thing when they say, oh, he battered him, and we go, no, 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 exactly what happened, and we want to hear the whole story. In reality, it's it's the same way that we interact with each other. We we only ask the same things from you that we ask from ourselves. There's a few other things that we should, we should take care of while we're here. Once the police are on scene, what we ask from security, unless there's still a disturbance going on, security gets there, the assumption is you've already quelled the issue. If you haven't already quelled the issue, we're not going to be having a discussion about it right? But you've got two parties separated. And now we're getting there. You explain to us what's going on. And we are going to hash out the issue because obviously it's something that has left the span of what security is comfortable dealing with or what their policy allows them to deal. Let us deal with it, right? When the first officer comes on scene, you explain what's going on. He's going to go over and talk to somebody. Don't interject in the conversation. Don't. Let them get their story. What we want when we have those conversations with people is we want the pure story of what's going on, that person's side of the story. When they're talking, don't interrupt. Notice again, it's the same stuff that police officers ask from each other. When you got a cop talking to somebody, one cop talks, another one might be listening or a safety, or he's going to go talk to the other person, but they don't, one cop doesn't talk and the other one never ever says, hey, this other lady said yada, 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 yada. No, 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 no. We get that person's pure story and the other person's pure story, and then we can start talking to them asking them questions or we'll we'll step away and confer so when a cop's talking to somebody because you called them there and they're getting that person's pure story and writing it down or just kind of trying to take in the situation don't interject what the other person said the better thing to do would be either to stand there as a safety which helps us immensely we love when you do that if if i'm at the mall and i'm talking to somebody there was a fight and i'm interacting with somebody about the fight that happened i'm getting their side of the story and there's two security guards standing there with me that's great because that's less likely that person to run and fight and all that other stuff. If there's another cop there talking to the other guy, that's great. If there isn't and that person's just milling around her own and you're the security that's there and I'm talking to this person, go talk to that other person. You watch the police that you work with, you'll notice, and the older guards, the older security officers that you're working with, and you'll notice they're very good at making small talk with people about stuff. Go over there and let them talk. Get their side of the story. Write it down. Get their name and date of birth and their address and their phone number and stuff. You're probably going to need it later anyway. Write it all down. Write down their side of the story. And then when cop's done talking with person A and he's going to go talk to person B, you can either rip it out of your book and hand it to them. Hey, here's their information in case you need it. And, you know, a quick summary of their story. But, you know, I'm sure you're going to go talk to them anyway. Right? You leave that door open and then you sound useful. You got half the information that they need already on a piece of paper. you going to stuff that in their pocket and be like, oh, good. Now I don't need to get it right? Or they're going to take it out and verify with them. So this is your name and date of birth, yada, 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 yada. Sometimes we have to do that, but it's for legal reasons. It's not because we don't trust you. It's so that later on when that ends up not being their name, we can charge them with obstructing, which is important for us that we can testify in court later. Yes, this is the name they said they gave me. Again, I think a lot of it is, is misinterpretation of what law enforcement is doing by security. They're going to go talk to that person, switch sides with them, go talk to the first person, keep them company keep them from deciding they're going to walk away and keep them from interjecting in each other's conversations. Remember that whole thing we talked about before where somebody's trying to yell over your shoulder at the other person, the other cop or other security guy's directing to. Oh, no, 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 no. Look at me. Talk to me. I want to talk to you. I want to get down your, your story. I want to understand what's going on here. Tell me what's going on from your perspective. No, no, no. I don't want to hear about them. What's arguing with them going to do, right? That's how you end up being good cover. It's the same stuff that we do for each other. The other topic that I wanted to cover today was the one that I get a whole lot. It's how to be taken seriously. And I think regardless of whether it's law enforcement or the public that security is trying to be taken seriously by, there's a few touchstones for this conversation. One is the one that I think everybody sees more than everything else. And some of the better security companies out there, I'm friends with a couple security companies on Facebook. There's a company called Phalanx. We've looked them up on Facebook and What they're really big on and what a lot of really good companies are big on is look sharp, act sharp. That's how you're going to get perceived. You don't have to spend a lot of money to look sharp. We had this saying in scouts, tuck it in or take it off. And when people would bitch about it, we'd be like talking about people's shirts, tuck it in or take it off. And when people would bitch about it, we'd be like, it costs you money to buy proper uniform pants. It costs you money to buy a proper uniform shirt. It costs you money to have shiny doodads to hang on it. It costs you money to put a belt on. It costs you money to put stuff on the belt. Certifications cost money. Tools cost money. Pads of paper and pens cost money. But tucking your shirt in costs nothing. If you have a shirt and you have pants, it costs you nothing to tuck the shirt into the pants. So that's where you start. And everything is on addition to that. We've done things before on the channel, on the Facebook, and the Instagram and and all of that with shining boots. No one asks that your boots be a mirror polish, but if your boots are supposed to be black, it helps if they're somewhere near the color black. Like, make them black boots. Most people aren't going to notice that there's a scuff on them, but they will notice if they're green or brown, and they're clearly supposed to be black. Make sure your boots match the color of your belt, and that your shirt and pants either make sense together, or they're the same color, or relatively the same color. You don't wear red jogging shorts, with your uniform shirt, or with a polo shirt with the company logo on it. And polo shirts are cheap. You've seen me on videos before, and people made fun of me early on in the channel that every time they saw me, I was in a shirt and a tie. Well, it's easy, it's very cheap to look professional. A shirt and a tie and a pair of pants don't cost a lot of money, and it is the simplest security uniform that you can have, and that you can be taken seriously with. Everything else with the look sharp, act sharp ends up being how you carry yourself yourself and how you put yourself together. It costs you nothing to tuck your shirt in. It costs you nothing to make sure your gig line is straight. For those of you who don't know what a gig line is, you should Google it, but I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version here. The line from the top of your collar of a button shirt to the bottom of the seam of your pants is just one line right down the middle, right? So make sure your belt buckle and your shirt and the seam of your pants, they all line up. It costs you nothing to do. And you could have the worst security uniform ever. You can show up for work, and they could be like, show up in black pants, black shoes, with a black belt, and we're going to give you a shirt. And you take whatever their shirt is with whatever patches it has on it, or no patches, put it on, tuck it in, and grab a clipboard, and you look professional instantaneously. With police officers and interacting with other security and with a lot of your everyday public that knows what you're supposed to look like, anybody that's been in the service, anybody that's been security ever, anyone that's been a cop ever, anybody that's been a firefighter ever, you do not want to have stuff on your uniform for the express purpose of intimidating other people. Let me explain that one a little more. There is nothing wrong with being an armed security guard. There is nothing wrong with having a baton. There's nothing wrong with carrying a set of handcuffs. As long as you're licensed in all of these things, There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with wearing body armor. There's nothing wrong with having a black uniform in my book. If the environment requires that that be what you wear, or if that's company policy, then that's not a problem for me, as long as it matches the environment. I've seen environments where a black uniform makes a lot of sense. I've seen environments where the white shirt and black pants make a lot of sense. The problem you get into is where guys go overboard, and everyone can tell if you're going overboard. You've seen these guys, wearing all black, body armor, badge hanging around their neck from a chain. Badge looks exactly like the badge of the local police department with a state seal in the middle, and they have picked the enamel out of the words security so that you can't tell it's a security badge. I've seen that a lot. I've seen that a lot, and people go, they go way overboard with doing that to not look like security, right? And they wear a shirt with no patches no patches on their vest cover or they'll put just officer on the back so it says something and then they've got their belt and they will have five pairs of handcuffs or six pairs of handcuffs which honestly I don't understand because those things are not light. I mean they're relatively light if you carry one pair of them or two pairs of them but you start getting on five and six pairs I start going that's a lot of weight to carry around. They'll put a baton everywhere so that people from any angle you can see that they have a baton. They'll have one baton on each side of their chest and, and one on their back and one across their front Or they'll have a gun and then they'll have a pepper spray gun and then another pepper spray gun. Like they they want people to see that they have a gun. People can see through that. And you don't get taken seriously if people see that. You just won't get taken seriously. Because people that see that know what you're trying to do. It's far more intimidating for your average person that's going to cause problems wherever you're at. From the mall to the chemical plant, the average person sees somebody with black pants and a white shirt wearing a black vest, you know, they've got body armor on, clearly have body armor on, and they've got a flashlight, a baton, a gun, a can of OC spray, two sets of handcuffs, and a radio, and they're shining a flashlight around, that person looks like they're squared away and know what they're doing. And it doesn't matter whether their back patch says security, or it says guard, or it says officer, or it has the company name on it, it doesn't matter what's written on their badge, what's written on the patches, they look put together. The same guy doing the same job Wearing all black with no patches, with 16 batons, and things clanking around, and fake guns, BB guns stuck into a holster on his other side, or with, he's got a pistol on his hip and a shoulder holster and body armor over the top of it, and he's trying to look like he's in uniform but not in uniform, and you can't read what any of the, like any of the, it, the stuff on his badge does. People see right through that. They see right through it immediately. I don't know how guys think that people aren't going to see right through it. On the thumbnail for this video, this YouTube video, I've got a picture that someone sent me of a security guard walking around with a foot and a half long Bowie knife on his belt. What possible purpose could that serve other than just to intimidate people? I would argue it serves no other purpose. I've worked out in the country before. I understand people have big knives. Nobody puts a big knife, a combat knife on their belt, even when they're farming because it's heavy. It's heavy. That's like carrying a whole other gun around. It's not useful for anything, especially when it's slid all the way on their back. You look silly. And that's why guys aren't getting taken seriously. The same people that do that are very often the ones that complain that they don't get taken seriously by the police or by the public. Don't just wear stuff to wear stuff to look like you have stuff. Have a purpose for said stuff. And don't carry six of them if you don't need six of them. There's a reason you don't see cops With a handgun on either side of their belt anymore. Or a gun in their holster and one in a shoulder holster. And the reason is because there's no advantage to doing that. And you look like an idiot. And looking like an idiot is not going to make people take you more seriously. The last point with uniforming, and this is to all of the company owners out there. Or the independent guys. They work at the bowling alley, they got a job, and they're the security guard at the bowling alley. Do not try to make your uniform look exactly like the police department for the jurisdiction that you're in i'm gonna say that again because it's important do not make your uniform do not make what you wear to work look exactly like the police department in the jurisdiction where you're working i'll share a story with you friend of mine works in the secret service he's in the uniform division he's like mid-level supervisor guy now he's been a cop in the secret service as long as i've been a cop here they had an event at a facility, some big business, I forget what it was, but before they got there, the facility management, somebody decided it was a good idea to change all of their stuff to make the security for the facility look exactly like Secret Service Uniform Division. So much so, they changed the name, they, make, they made a patch that said, security service or something like make it look really 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 close the badge the the badge patch looked identical to what the secret service was using and the supervisor for the secret service that was on duty that day had actually went around and taped over all of the badges of the security guards that were working for the facility and told the security manager for the facility that they would not be having any more events there and none of their people would be cleared by the secret service to work the events if they showed up looking like that again Now, I understand from the individual's perspective and from the company's perspective that blurring those lines a little bit helps because it makes you look professional. We use the same equipment, the same uniforming that the police use. And that's all well and good. No one tells you don't look professional. I would never tell you that. Of all people, I would never tell you don't look professional. I know how important that is. I've been a cop for over a decade. I've been doing security on the side far longer than that, and I was in scouting before that. Wearing your uniform properly and looking professional is always important. But you don't have to copy exactly what the local law enforcement uses. If you're in an area like in Chicago, and you're going to work security, or you're making the decision for the company, dark blue pants, just like Chicago PD, the light blue shirt, just like Chicago PD, black vest cover, just like Chicago PD, right? So from two blocks away, someone can clearly identify there's an authority figure down there and I might get in trouble if I do this thing over here. No one has a problem with that. No one has a problem with that. Make it a shield instead of a five-point star. Make the patch an acorn shape instead of the same shape. Put a stripe down the side of the pants or something. Make it so that from two blocks away, sure, they can tell, I can't tell if that's a security guard or a cop, but I know it's somebody that I'm probably going to get in trouble with if I do this. No one has a problem with that. But then... When you walk up to them, people need to know whether you're a security or you're a cop, and it undermines the authority of the police when you're on a scene, and the person says, "Well, that cop over there told me da 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 da," and you go, "What cop over there? That guy? He's the mall security. He's not a cop. Well, he's dressed in the same uniform you're in. People aren't reading the fine print on badges very often, right off the top of their head. When they, you know, they're all worked up from whatever happened, they're not reading the fine print on stuff." So it's okay to look professional. It's okay to look a lot like the police that are working in your area, but it's not okay to look identical. You got you to gotta get away from the identical stuff, right? Or the blurring the line stuff. Some states, officer on the back means you're an officer of the state. And other states, you know, you're like you're the police, you have law enforcement powers. Other states, it means nothing. So if that's a state, if you're in a state where officer on the back, like I think I was in Missouri, and their conservation law enforcement, it just says, wildlife really small and then officer really big if you put cbt or you know whatever the name of the company is at the top and then officer at the bottom you're trying to look identical to them especially if you're wearing the same uniform don't do that just come up with a good professional looking uniform again links on facebook i talk back and forth with them they share my videos all the time go look at their page they look very professional they look like none of the police that i've ever seen black polo shirts It's uh, silkscreened on, their polo shirts, their name, the name of the company, green pants, duty belt. They don't look like the police, but they look like professionals. And you can do that. It's not hard to do that. And it's not any more expensive to do that. A polo shirt that's silkscreened when you order 20 or 30 of them, even one of them on a one-off, is cheaper than getting a a uniform shirt that's exactly like I wear at work. Uniform shirts are like $75. Patches are like 8 bucks a piece. Get a polo shirt and make it say whatever you want to say. You work at the bowling alley? Mike's bowling alley? Security. Put Mike's bowling alley security on the back. You look more professional than trying to look like the police and failing at it. And that's the worst, is what guys totally fail at it. They put the the blue uniform shirt, light blue uniform shirt on, dark blue pants. They're working in Chicago. They've got a nylon belt with a high point stuck into a bulldog holster. And they've got a pepper spray gun over here and a five-point star that's the wrong shape. And they're, like, clearly trying to look like Chicago police, but... Failing miserably. That that makes you, that doesn't make you look professional. Makes you look like an idiot. Got to step out and pay the bills here at free field training. Don't go anywhere. I'll be back in a sec. Shield was introduced in 1965 in an edition of Strange Tales featuring Nick Fury. It's safe to say that secret acronymed international intelligence collection endeavors. Would never be the same. Another, even greater, episodic series is ready to take the greatest action thriller of all time mantle. Don't miss the Agents of Shield Podcast, reviewing each and every episode of Agents of Shield bullet point by bullet point. Agents of Shield Podcast dot com. That's Agents of Shield Podcast.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Unlike TV or radio ads where every instance the ads are broadcast, they're only played once and lost forever. Perpetual advertising could have repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, and even years after they're inserted in a podcast. So even if a podcast is a few years old, your ads will still be impactful to repeat listeners as well as new listeners. This gives your advertising dollar the most bang for the buck. Find out more about perpetual advertising at twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com, and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Now I'm gonna train you for free from your own comments and questions. Let's get to it. Math 2 uac says just about 45 minutes ago, I encountered a security guard on her cell phone during an incident where a young man was being vulgar to a government official. She did not do her job. She just stayed on her phone. Well, let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say maybe she is the minimally trained, minimally paid person who has been told when something happens, just call the police. There is a lot of that out there. As much as I like to say, hey, you know, you can be professional working security. You can be a professional security guard. That what you call yourself doesn't matter if you do your job well. We all know that there is that segment of the market, that low end of the market, where they pay minimum wage and they expect minimal results. And maybe that's what you're looking at. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that's what you're looking at. George Incredible says, can I become a police officer with a green card other than in West Virginia? I have no idea. Aaron Hudson says, there is a store near me that is secured by a Lake County Sheriff. Does it make any difference? What you're seeing is you're seeing police officers or law enforcement officers working security as a side job. Working security as a side job as a police officer that's state to state dependent on what their powers and authority and all of that is. But like we said with the private policing video that we did, it's a lot of the same. You're getting a security guard that's very highly trained that knows exactly what to say when the on-duty cops show up. Worst case scenario. So you're still dealing with a Lake County Sheriff. It doesn't change what his status is legally but it just kind of changes how the paperwork's done black dolphin 90 says would you agree that security should basically observe the incident and then report record as much detail as possible note taking and personal appearance being maintained can help be taken seriously lots of times but when you work at a facility like somebody has to get their hands dirty right you work at a concert and there's people fighting there are going to be people that are working security there whose job it's going to be to, to break up the fight and settle it later. There, Those jobs are out there, and they are a real thing. For a lot of security, like I said before, you go to the bottom of the market, which is huge in the United States, that bottom of the market, and what you're going to get is the person who sees something and goes, oh, well, time to call 911. Mike Wilkerson says, How important and then eventually an error is a physical description of someone that people are talking about and say, your sample of an assault? The physical description becomes very, very important if the person is no longer on scene, if they fled and we think that they're going to be on foot. Descriptions of the car are very, very important if they fled and we're looking for a car. They are also important when you're pointing to someone and saying, it's that guy over there. If you point over there and the only guy over there with a red jacket and blue pants on is the guy you're talking about, that makes it very clear for me. You point over to a group of people and say, that guy in the white shirt and there's 40 dudes over there in white shirts, you're not helping any. The descriptions are very, very important, but how you give the description is also very, very important. I tell people that what you want to pick is the odd thing about the person and lead with that. Especially when you're calling 911 talking to a dispatcher. This guy just kicked this other guy in the chest. He ran off. He's wearing red shoes, blue jeans, and a white t-shirt why red shoes first? Because that's the weird thing. And very often, you can pick something out about somebody's shoes that is going to be odd, even if they're wearing the very plain Jane, common criminal uniform of the white t-shirt and blue jeans or all black. People say, oh, he's, he's running northbound, he's wearing all black. Dude, give me something. He's running northbound, he's wearing all black, he's got a yellow Nike swoosh on his shoes. Now I can identify who that is. So those descriptions are very, very important. For police officers to each other, again, it's It's a group effort, and we don't ask from security anything that we don't ask from each other. If I give a description to another police officer, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to give the weird thing first, and then I'm going to go through the rest of the descriptors that could be anybody or could be a large number of people in the population. Black Dolphin 90 says, being distracted and doing things you should be avoiding, like messaging on your cell phone, can make you look lazy and unprofessional and you lose respect. That's very true as well. I haven't seen that as being a big problem when I show up on scene for something. And the, the gist of his question was really like, you call the police, the police show up, how can you be taken seriously and how can you help with the investigation? But yeah, when I'm walking around someplace and they're on their phone when they're supposed to be working, that does look very lazy and unprofessional. You can expect the public is not going to take very kindly to that and they're, they're probably not going to respect you the same way that they would respect you if you were, you know, paying attention. Is it fair to say that painting a picture without all the emotion is the way to go when delivering details to the PD in case of them arriving on scene? It's something that I expect when you wear a uniform for a living and your job is to deal with the public, like whether you're security or a police officer or a firefighter or an EMT or whatever, I expect people to deliver me the information without screaming and flailing and and generally just letting their emotions overtake them. When I don't get that, it really makes me think that the person's either new or isn't so smart, and then I have a hard time taking their word for what happened. I don't run into a lot of people getting, like, security getting very emotional when I show up on scene. Normally, that's when I get a call from a member of the public that has never been involved in the police or law enforcement or security or fire or EMS industry at all. They're very emotional and screaming and yelling, and I have to try to calm them down but i don't often run across cases where the security is doing that and when they do you can kind of tell it's the it's the bottom of the market it's the bottom of the industry security that's doing that because they're minimally trained minimally experienced they're told just to stand there and call when something happens black dolphin 90 says security like policemen should stick to the facts and not include their opinions in reports we call that in reports we call that editorializing and we try to avoid it whenever possible sometimes it's just not possible to not editorialize i'll give you an example if somebody says someone spray painted down the side of my car in red spray paint you could go through the effort of saying i observed on the front quarter panel of the complainant's car red paint with feathered edges in the shape of a d approximately two foot tall yada 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 or I could say the complainant stated that someone spray-painted a red D on the quarter panel of her car. I observe damage consistent with the claims of the victim. Sometimes saying I observe damage that's consistent with that makes sense. because you're, I can testify to court what a red D spray-painted on a car looks like if people really want to cross-examine me about what spray-paint looks like. But I know what spray-paint looks like, and I can articulate it more if I have to. But for a report, for the conciseness of the report, sometimes a little bit of editorializing is okay. What you don't want to do is say things like, he battered her, and so I locked him up. Because that's just my opinion, that he battered her. What did he do specifically that caused her to be battered? Or, this person was the aggressor. Or, I believe this person was the aggressor. the a general rule on reports. Anytime you write, I believe, blah, 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 you're not helping yourself. Mike says, how different do the terminologies change between jurisdictions another reason why perhaps just telling us what's going on in layman's terms makes sense there's huge differences in terminologies between towns in some cases but between states there's enormous differences between terminologies laws are written differently in different states different statutes say different things they use different language and like we talked about in the videos about law what the definitions of those words mean can vary widely, just not between jurisdictions, between states, but between laws. Between individual laws in the books, different things can mean different things. A peace officer might mean one thing in one statute and another thing in another statute. Just like a driver might mean one thing in one statute and another thing in another statute. You have to look at the definition for that law to know what it is. And that's why I say very often, like, if you don't know, look it up. That's what they invented, these phones and books and all that for Look up what the law actually means. Chris Slate says, security guards are not cops, and cops are not security guards. Security and law enforcement uses a lot of the same tools and some of the same techniques, but the job is very different most of the time. They're very different jobs, and I know people that are very good cops that are not very good security guards. I know people that are very good at security who don't make good cops for a variety of reasons. Black Dolphin 90 says, it helps when a security guard has cctv footage ready and is prepared to give facts to the police instead of leaving till they arrive ideally with loss prevention that is a huge thing when lp at whatever store has everything packaged up person's over there they're handcuffed to the wall here's the receipt here's the cctv footage already burned to a disc here's my information already written down or is there a copy of my id and here here's what happened They selected the clothing from the sales floor. We watched the selection via CCTV. They walked in the fitting room. That fitting room was pre-swept. They walked out. We swept the fitting room again, found nothing inside. They didn't have any clothing on them when they left the fitting room. They walked out. They passed the last point of sale. They went out the doors. We stopped them outside the doors. When we searched them, we found blah, 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 blah. Here's the total amount. In and out. Simple. With that type of job, it is great when they can package all that together. And I'll tell you who does that really well is Macy's. Don't steal at Macy's. It's dumb macy's is on it with loss prevention i show up at macy's and they've got it all packaged ready to go here's your stuff there's the person here's your stuff here's the footage do you want to see the footage before you leave they don't actually ask me that but like it's all ready and if i ask if like hey can i see the footage because we got this other thing going on they've already got it queued up it's right there oh yeah we still got it up there's the footage here's what's going on here's the camera here's where that camera's at all set It's fantastic. When you work with security that is on their game, that knows what they're doing, it is an amazing thing. I absolutely love it. Mike says, when the PD that govern the place in question, say a business or a gathering hall, arrive, is the best practice for security on site to let the PD take over and then step aside in general? Not not always. Not always. Depending on what the situation is and how many police officers are there, like we talked about. You might have asked this before I started answering, before I said it. If there isn't enough resources, the police department isn't always showing up 12 guys. You know, it's not always 12 officers showing up. It might be only one officer showing up. So if one cop shows up and there's three security guards there and there's two people arguing, division of power. Hold on to these two people. Keep them busy while he's collecting the information he needs. I don't always want him just to step aside. If we tell him to step aside, I expect him to step aside. And that's the problem that we get with some of the like very overzealous security. We like, all right, we got it. For a housing project or a condo association security calls hey there's this domestic we're out with they're in the apartment already with them talking about the domestic three cops show up hey man we got it we'll take care of it because they're not going to say anything around you because you're the landlord to them and they oh no 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 no. this is our land we can be no 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 no. get out right thank you very much for what you've done but when we when we nicely say hey we got it you guys you guys got to go Time to go. And you know, if you got a question about it later, flag us down. Most of us are more than happy to tell you, hey, no man, listen. They're are not gonna talk to us if you're there because they see you as the landlord. They don't want them landlord knowing their business. It's not about disrespect. It's about we've got a job to accomplish. You've accomplished your job. It's time for us to take over. But they'll let them know. How many instances do you note that on-site security are carrying firearms? Around here, it's pretty common for on-site security. It's pretty common for on-site security to be carrying firearms. We have Armed security in McDonald's. McDonald's has an armed security guard because they've been armed robbed several times. Guys have come in with guns and robbed the place several times. It's fairly common here. We've got condo associations with armed security. McDonald's with armed security. Most of the banks have armed security. Of course, by me, most of the banks have armed security that are cops. That's a side job for us. Uh, The hospital has... A security company that handles the day-to-day security operations, they also hire police officers who are armed to work armed security. Also retired police officers who work armed security. It is a big thing here to have armed security. It's very common. I'd say about 50% of the security that I run into on a daily basis is armed. Merrick Lynn says professionalism is key. Be kind to the clients and everything will run a lot more smoothly. That is very, very true. And it's also important because the client is the person that's going to be standing behind you to your company when something goes wrong steel hunter says first hi second some of what you are saying is good where you are in some states private property the cops cannot always take control and security can't always take info from a person per FOP why why would the FOP have an issue with a security guard taking information from a person I don't think that would be a division of labor problem because you don't work for the same organizations you work for the owner of the property I don't know. Hey, email me with where that's at. That's very interesting. I've never heard of that before. Mike says, have you ever seen an instance of you got to be kidding me security officers in regards to overall look? Uh, Yeah. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen a couple of them. Sometimes I'll pop a snap when I see something that's like especially egregious. Ben Cunningham says, security agency I worked for issued us uniforms, but when I wore it to the job, I got my balls busted for wearing it. The site was far from professional. Hmm. I think I'd leave that one. I'd leave that one where it's at. I'd leave that one alone. William Van Buskirk says, I have security on the front and back of my armor, and my badge says private security on it, and I still get asked if I'm county PD or state PD. If if people just can't tell because they're not paying attention, that's fine. But if a reasonable person from 10 feet away can't tell who you work for, you have a problem with your uniforming. <laughs> Chris Slate says, I did some unarmed security work going overboard. There is always one. I had a supervisor, older guy, insist on being called major and then XXXX for his name. Yeah. I, I actually was involved with a security company many years ago that they just had supervisors and administrators and then guards. And they're like, we don't see a reason to have ranks. You know, we're not, you're not the Lieutenant of security or any of that. You're just, you're a supervisor. Because that's how corporate America works. your supervisor, your administrator, you're a manager, and then there's you're the guards. And guys got so uppity about it one of the managers changed them to naval ranks, which it's, you could imagine the naval ranks they picked out so that people, you know the supervisors that were complaining did not want to be rear admirals. and that solved that problem. Mike says, how is it that not looking like the local police detail is not a piece of general security law at this point? It amazes me. Every state makes their own laws on it. Some states have rules about it, but there's always somebody that's going to find that little gray area in the law and sneak right into it. And they think they're doing something that's helping them. It's actually just hurting them. Mike says, would you, a cop, inform a local security detail participant it's too close a match, a bad idea, and that they should change it? If not, why not? You're the cop because i'm not the boss i have a boss and if i show up sign if i showed up to the ma- mall or for an event and event security did that which i don't think they would do i don't work anywhere that exciting where someone would want to impersonate us like as security to look that close i would just tell my boss I'd be like hey sarge you see this oh no we're gonna take care of that good i'm gonna go back over here i'm gonna drink some more coffee and i'm gonna tie i'm gonna make sure my new guy doesn't mess anything up You'd mentioned that you've seen the guy with three or four pepper guns. What other instances are giant, hey, I'm an idiot, samples on security folks? Uh, picking the enamel out of the badge so you can't read it. That's that's pretty far up there. Uh, large fixed blade knives. Um, wearing more than one vest. A shoulder holster. Shoulder holster in uniform. That's always a solid one for me. Shoulder holster in uniform tells me that I'm probably not, probably not going to like what words that are going to come out of their mouth. They're probably not going to make much sense. The, uh... The person with the very inappropriate haircut does it for me. Like, you are the voice and face of the management of wherever you're working. If your hair is bright green, that's not going to go over really well with me. Be like, this, and it also makes me think your management isn't very smart either. Like, that reflects on the entire group. If your hair is green or it just doesn't look professional, it makes me think, what's going on at this company when I go talk to your boss? right? Like, what kind of person am I going to meet in that office? Black Dolphin ninety says, "I think security guards should not have a badge, but a license card. But here they they're required to have a license card. They're required to have their card out, their identification out, if they're armed security. But some police departments do that too, so it doesn't help that much." <laughs> Glimtex Arms says, "In Arizona, all security companies must be approved by DPS prior to their receiving their company license. No star badges are permitted in Arizona for any security company. That makes a lot of sense. If in Arizona they use a star badge, I've always thought it would be better if law enforcement." adopted a badge and then copyrighted it and then just didn't allow other people to use it I think that's a simple solution alright guys it is getting on time for me to go to work and I've got a lot of coffee to drink i got one more day before my new guy comes back to me so we are going to wrap up this live stream here a couple of housekeeping items patches there's a link down in the description Patreon right now We've got Police Duty Bag 2018 out on Patreon. Cold Weather Gear for Law Enforcement is out on Patreon. And there's one more I can never forget what the last thing I'm supposed to talk about is, but it's up on Patreon right now. I always have links down in the description of the videos for the Thermos coffee cup that I drink out of. People ask me about it. It's in there. If you use my Amazon code that I put in the link down below, it helps out the channel. So please go do that. Right? Till next week, you guys be safe and take care of each other. We've got lots of ideas for podcasts. But we always need more, and we love hearing what the audience would love to hear about. Head on over to FreeFieldTrainingPodcast.com and tell me what questions you have, and we'll make another episode about it. Click on contact, fill out the quick web form, and let's make some more Free Field Training.